Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and the executive director of the International Outreach and Disciple Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. For the last 30 years, we've had ministry expressions in over 70 countries. You can learn more about the effective manner in which we're raising up national evangelists and disciple makers by going to traincpe.org. I hope you will. Your prayers and your gifts are used of God to sustain this work. Now for today's lesson is taken from 1 Kings chapter 19. It's the story of Elisha's calling into ministry. It was delivered recently to our fellowship in Boise, Idaho. Shortly after preaching this message, I found notes from this chapter outlined from the Hebrew that I had made as a seminary student 34 years ago. I don't think I'd seen those notes since the day that I handed them over to my Hebrews professor, and yet the notes recorded exactly the points of the message I had just preached. And I was reminded that we must take care what we study and store into our minds, for they remain with us much longer than we think. It's kind of a challenge to actually preach on this sermon because you have Elijah and Elisha. So you're going to have to listen really attentively and you're going to have to figure out when I said Elijah and when I said Elisha because I might get them, I, you know, I get my kids' names scrambled up. I get my girls' names scrambled up. Oftentimes they're called, I, I get my niece's name scrambled up. Many times I interject the name of a dog in, that's been in the family down the line. Sometimes old dogs that were a long time ago. Hard to keep it all straight. And now Elijah and Elisha right? Kind of hard. So if I get it wrong, you'll have to edit it out. You'll have to pay close attention so you know who we're talking about at what given time. God has met Elijah the prophet at Horeb, and God has sent Elijah to continue his ministry by going and anointing and appointing Elisha to serve one day in his place as the prophet of God before the people of Israel. You've heard of the idea or concept of passing the mantle or the mantle was passed. This is where it comes from. It's the idea that one person has an important job and they turn that important job on to somebody else and this is exactly where it takes place. Elijah comes, he finds Elisha, who is the son of a wealthy farmer. Shaphat means judge, so his father is basically a judge or presiding influencer in that community. He is wealthy enough that he has 12 yoke of oxen. His son is on the last plow, plowing behind all the other workers ahead of him. Elijah walks across the field, comes to the point where Elisha is, walks behind him, takes his cloak, throws it onto the shoulders of Elisha, and Elisha knows what this means. I think actually Elijah and Elisha know one another. I think there's a relationship that's been in place for some time. I think it's very likely that Elisha has been a student or a pupil of Elijah's. I think that this shows you, by the way, how self-pity can blind you from what God is doing because Elijah has been influencing this person for some time, but in his moment of self-pity, he forgets that God has been working through him to even touch other people's lives like Elisha. So now Elijah comes, takes his mantle off, puts it onto Elisha. Elisha understands this is a, a call to follow after Elijah and to learn from him and to at one point in time wear that mantle himself before the people of God, he immediately responds. He leaves his oxen in the midst of the field, probably still now plowing a crooked row and pursues Elijah and says, let me say goodbye to my family and I'll follow you. And Elijah responds in a way that lets Elisha know that this call is not from Elijah. 
This is not something that Elijah came up with. This is not his idea. But this is God's call. And therefore, it's not to be entered in without careful thought. He says to him, go back and think this over in essence. Because you're not following me. God is the one who's calling you. So Elisha goes back. After processing the call and considering it and informing his family, he kills his oxen. He used the utensils of his plow to cook them up. And he throws a feast for his family and neighbors. And then he goes out taking after Elijah. It's actually a wonderful story, and if we were just to look at it in its pure case or example, we'd see the example of how one person who's been called of God to serve him places a call upon another person. It's a good lesson to use if you were talking to an ordaining body that ordains young men for ministry, what they need to be looking for and what their attitude needs to be in laying their hands upon ordaining other young men and to go on to serve the Lord in ministry. It's a good lesson to use if I were going to be speaking at young men who were just beginning their master's program in divinity and studying for the ministry to tell them what it is God is looking for and the kinds of responses that God wants and that they need to be young individuals of industry in their own lives and out of that industry God will call them to a greater industry and whatever it is there are all these wonderful little points that you could make that parallel this account that we have here I'm thinking that most of you probably will not be called into full-time ministry. I'm not an ordaining body, and you're not getting ready to go into a three-year program in Masters of Divinity or whatever it is, so that probably won't serve well, although that reminds me of a story just briefly. I was a seminary student at Western Baptist Seminary. During that time, I worked full-time as a bellman at the Marriott Hotel. I had injured my knee. I'd had to have surgery on my knee, and as a result... I couldn't carry people's bags, schlep people's bags up to the room, and so they decided to put me in the PBX room, which is where the operators were. That was in the day when you pulled switches and plugged them in and these types of things. They didn't have all this automated stuff. There was actually an operator, a real person you spoke to when you called the hotel, and they redirected your call. And so they showed me how to do it, and for the first week I had to work with two black women who were working back there during the daytime, and then I was going to do the graveyard shift. And so these two ladies were talking constantly all the time with one another and at one point in time they asked me what I was studying and I said I'm well I'm getting a master's of divinity and they both said divinity what's that you learn how to make chocolates <laughs> no uh, it's actually where you're studying to become a minister of the gospel and, and well what's going to happen when you're done well I'll be ordained and, and then I'll be a minister of the gospel and they both laughed well we, we're both ordained already and so they thought, well, I should have gone to your church, I told them, and then I'd be ordained too. So I don't know how their ordination process worked. Maybe everybody in their church was ordained. So maybe it applies to you after all, right? But um, I think the better way to look at this text for us is to look at it in a general way and to consider that this story illustrates Christ's call upon his people and upon our lives and upon the church to serve him in his gospel. It would be helpful for us to realize that the Greek word for church is ekklesia. It comes from the verb kaleo, which means to call, and ek, which means, to, means out, it means to be called out. So anyone in the church who has become a member of the church of Jesus Christ, who repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, at that moment, they're called out by God. They're called out with an assignment to live for him and to serve him and to serve his gospel. And So for our story, Elijah is going to represent the Lord Jesus to us. And Elisha is going to represent us and our response to the Lord Jesus' call upon our life. Elijah is going to represent the Lord Jesus and illustrate the Lord Jesus' call upon our lives. Elisha is going to represent our response. It 
parallels fairly well. You'll remember at some point in time, Elijah will ascend into the sky and he won't die. A chariot will come down and sweep him up into the heavens and Elisha will see him go up. And at that point in time, Elisha is left with the ministry and calling of Elijah here on earth. And the Lord Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, stood over his disciples and lifted up his hand and blessed them. And then he commissioned them to the ministry of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And he departed from them. So the parallel works. It works for us. So let's just look at a couple things here very quickly as we consider it this way. And let's consider as our first point that the mantle is passed. The mantle has been passed. In the Bible, a special note is taken of the cloak or mantle that Elijah wore and the cloak and mantle that John the Baptist wore. Elijah being in some sense the most well-known other than Moses prophet in the Old Testament and obviously John the Baptist the most well-known prophet in the New Testament and the mantle represented the austere challenge of their calling it represented that they had been called out from all of the worldly comforts that the world could afford them in order to serve God they left the world and they separated themselves from the world and they stood apart from the world in order that they might speak back to those people in the world and in their community that mantle was in a sense like a king's robe it represented their authority and their standing before the people and also represented that they left everything in order to speak for God to the people. In other words, they weren't staking their calling and their cause in the things of the world in which they lived. That mantle was, in a sense, their calling. It was their gift. It was something God had provided for them. It was what was their provision. It was for Elijah and, and John the Baptist, the roof that was over their head, the thing that kept them from the heat of the sun, it was the thing that kept them from the cold at night. It was the blanket that they covered themselves with at night. It was their sole possession. And it was their, in a sense, their designated expression of the authority and calling that God had had upon their life. And Elijah comes and he throws this mantle or this cloak over Elisha. Elisha, by the way, didn't earn this. Elisha is out in the field plowing. He's just serving his father and doing what good sons should do, working for their dads. Keep that in mind, young men. It's bestowed upon him. Elisha doesn't work for it. He doesn't labor for it. He doesn't earn it. It's something that's simply bestowed upon him. And Elijah throws this mantle on Elijah. Now, the Lord Jesus is the greatest prophet of all. He not only spoke God's word to us, but he was the word of God made flesh. He was revealing all of God's truth and God's purpose and God's life. When you remember when he came, he did great miracles, revealing God to us in his miracles. But he also taught as no other man had taught. He taught not as one who was speaking on behalf of God, but as one who spoke as God himself among us. And he throws his mantle upon all those who place their faith in him. He throws his mantle upon us, and you don't earn it, by the way. It's just bestowed upon you by God's own choosing. He mantles you with his life. And this mantle that you receive from Jesus becomes your one sure possession. It's the one thing that you need to cover you by day and by night. It's the robe of Christ himself covering you with his own life. It's the robe, we understand this, it's the robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ covering all of your sins and clothing you as you repent and believe in him. This mantle that Christ puts upon the shoulder of the person who repents and puts faith in Jesus Christ is salvation. It's Christ covering you with his life. It's all of his moral perfections laid upon you and set over you and by faith in him, Jesus Christ, 
places this robe upon you of his perfect righteousness and it becomes your great privilege and your great reward and the one possession you want to always have with you and you'll carry into all eternity. And yet when it comes upon you, it doesn't come upon you without great responsibility because now you're robed with his authority to speak his gospel and his truth to others. He's robed you and he's mantled you in his perfect righteousness in order that you might go before others and say that you've sinned against God, but your sins can be forgiven. Your sins separate you from God, but God has provided a way of reconciliation through his son, Jesus Christ. You will not be able to recover and come into God's presence covering yourself in your own righteousness and your own good deeds. They're all filthy and dirty and they're, they're eaten up with your own sin and your own defilement, but God would cover you by faith in the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ so that you might come into his presence, so that you can be received by him, so that you can approach him and know him and be in relationship with him. And you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you've believed in my faith, have received this covering, this mantle, this righteousness of Jesus Christ, and it authorizes you to declare this message. In fact, this is your responsibility. Christ's robe is upon you. And with it, there's a calling to go out to the ends of the earth that you might speak to those that are in the world. That mantle comes upon you and it pulls you away from the world and it calls you to go back to the world to speak to them. And you've been reconciled. You've been reconciled in order that you would be an ambassador of reconciliation. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Bread of Life ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. There you can also contact us with requests for this or other messages. Please join us in our next broadcast. Until then, may God bless you.